Digital Dust is a history podcast it's about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. Hey everyone, welcome to Digital Dust, a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. I'm Katie. I'm Liz. I'm Patrick. I'm Robin, and welcome to Digital Dust. This is our first episode! Woo-hoo-hoo. I appreciate the range that I gave my voice there. That was good. Of course. That was amazing. 10 out of 10. Thank you. I'm Liz. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And fun fact about me. Fun fact is at my summer job this past summer, one of my duties is to uh, wrangle uh, rattlesnakes. Um, put them in bags, relocate them away from little kids in campgrounds. And yeah. It's pretty fun. That's going to be me. It is so cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Haven't been bitten yet, so that's good. <laughs> nice. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my name's Patrick. Uh, my pronouns are, are my, pro- my pronouns. My pronouns <laughs> are uh, he, him. And a fun fact about me. Um, let's see. Well, in grade five, I absolutely got run over by a bike. Oh, that no. Oh. Are you okay? <laughs> I was I was walking to school. I was like in the in like the on the school grounds, like on the pavement area or whatever. Um, I was walking towards the building and this d- dude was just like like another student was just like riding his bike. Um, and and like he I, I don't know if he saw me or not, but I just turned and he just hit and then I fell and the bike just proceeded to <laughs> A hit and run, oh as they God. say. Yeah, yeah. So to this day, I have a, a phobia of bikes a little bit. Yeah, I hate bikes yeah. for you too. Thanks. Yeah, I love bikes, and I love people who ride bikes, and I think more of us should ride bikes. I want that to be known. Um, however, they do scare me. Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, my pronouns are she/her, and a fun fact about me is my first language is French. We yeah. French. Yeah, funny and like the fun way about that too is um I actually learned how to read and write in French before I did English, so I could speak English when I was really young, but I didn't even know how to write or read it when I was in fourth grade. That's so wow, crazy. wow, that's cool. Meanwhile, we were all trying to learn French in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the opposite. Yeah, don't need Hi, to go I'm down Katie. this rabbit hole. Hey, number one, I would like to introduce myself, and number oh my two, God. we should make a TikTok. It's great, guys. Download TikTok. I'm actually sponsored by TikTok. This is a sponsored podcast. <laughs> they should sponsor So, Katie, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Sorry. Hi, I'm Katie. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And a fun fact about me is that I'm a very big Trekkie, and it's actually my bullet journal theme of the month. So, hit me up for all your Star Trek love. I was going to ask you that. Is February, like, the official Star Trek month? or Nope. September is when it started, like okay. most TV shows. Sure. Um, uh, although this is the 65th year, the anniversary, I think. Oh. Up, which is pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. Um, but no, I just have this weird association in my brain. Like, you know, it's cold outside in February. And right. so like Star Trek is like, you know, it's probably cold on the ship. It's probably cold in space. Space is freezing. Yeah. Space is space a vacuum. Is- yeah, vacuum. vacuums must be cold. Uh, speaking of February, maybe we should uh, describe our situation a little bit in case anyone is listening in the future. Um, okay. I'm currently living through uh, a global pandemic that 
<laughs> you might have heard of it. It's called COVID. Oh, just <laughs> a little friend. No, just this little gone. pandemic that was happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, and we've been living through a historic event. Yeah. For the last almost a year now. So that's yeah. fun. Uh, so we're doing all of this through video call. Yeah. yeah. Zoom life through video yeah. call, really. Honestly, yeah. the only way I have human contact, video call. Same. Yeah. I'm in a closet right now, FYI. Oh, just to add yeah. a little fun to this. <laughs> so is Patrick, but his closet is huge. So it doesn't count. <laughs> My closet does not fit me. For all intents and purposes, it's Patrick's private recording studio space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Call it what and- it is. But uh, no, Liz is right. Uh, uh, and actually, I think Katie talked about this too, that that the the four of us haven't actually spent a lot of time together in person. That most of our our like close knit relationship with each other is is from online, which is so yeah, strange. It is very weird. <laughs> I think this shows like even with these barriers, we still found a way to connect and become friends. So yeah. you know, we, there's always a bright side to this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's impressive. Exactly. And we're making a podcast. Yeah, guys, we're gonna be yeah. friends for life. Um, okay, so why do we know each other, folks? How do we know each other? Oh, that's a good question. I was gonna make a joke, but that would just <laughs> circumstance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're all in uh, uh, Western University's program for public history, master's program. Uh, yeah. So there weren't many of us in the program, so we were gonna meet each other no matter what. Small classes. Yeah. Tight knit. We also do like a large project together, which is just it's true. Super fun. It is fun. Yeah. 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 We've been working on that for a while. So um, we use the word public history. We do. What yeah. is public history? Is that? Oh God. What isn't it? It's our favorite question. It is. Everybody asks it. It's surprisingly hard to answer. Yeah. It's impossible to answer. It is. Because the best way to answer it is to say everything. Yeah. And that's not good. (laughs) And that's not helpful. (laughs) No, it's really not. Yeah. What are some examples? (laughs) Like a lecture. So like museums, archives, places of public institution. What else? What is the funniest public history thing? That you've ever seen that's a better way a good way to think about it what is what is like the silliest or the dumbest or the most absurd or the funniest something like that Hmm. something public history related that you just like it's so funny my discipline doesn't lend itself to this histories of violence doesn't lend itself to humor i was about to talk about a dictator it's fine that's my whole life man it's like, yeah. tell me a fun fact. I'm like, would you like to know how many people died in Chile under the Pinochet dictatorship? They're like, not at all. Well, I actually have a really cool one. And I it. can't pronounce the German word, but there's these stepping stones in Germany and also like around Europe that are little elevated stones in like the cobblestone streets. And they're outside of the homes of Holocaust victims. And they have the names and the date of death for those victims and they're supposed to make people like stop because you're going to trip over them because they're like literally elevated that was a public history project not even by the german government like by individuals who decided to put these little stones in the street to commemorate victims that's that's part of public history yeah it's wonderful that is interesting Mm. yeah Yeah. there's also some in russia for the great terror it's pretty powerful yeah yeah so i guess a part of public history is like commemoration and and putting history like in the place where it was sort of thing you know yeah yeah i think a cool one i've seen um in ottawa there's a company called indigenous walking tours 
and you'll have a guide bring you around to different monuments and they'll we'll come in front of it and we'll sit down and we'll talk about the real history of it and like where did this come from what does it mean and let's bring it into an indigenous perspective and one of the big That's ones cool. we looked at was a totem pole right and then they're just like so this isn't supposed to be here and we like dove into that and it was amazing Oh, that's so that's interesting. That's so cool. Wow. That's really neat. I feel like every city should have that. Oh, yeah. yeah. really should. So, yeah, it's about redefining history, bringing yeah. in narratives that aren't commonly told, silences in, in history. But yeah. statues and monuments are part of history as well, are part of oh, public yes. history. Oh, what yeah. Are we commemorating? What, may I say, what happens to them is part of history, too. Ooh. Yes. What else is public history? I'm going to talk about, I'll say uh, pop culture and like mm. history. It's huge uh, right now to put us into the historical moment that we are in. Things like Bridgerton, um, mm. you know, mm. such, a, <laughs> such a, we could totally do an episode on Bridgerton. It's so interesting. Like how yeah, I would too. the contemporary part of it, Shonda did an amazing job there, but at the same time, like it's really yeah. interesting to see the, the queen of england queen charlotte as a black woman i think that's awesome yeah. public history allows us to see those kinds of things um mm -hmm. as opposed to traditional history which is boring history books and <laughs> boring dead white cis heterosexual men um yeah. and that's exactly what this podcast is not and that's kind of why we started this podcast because we know how many of you think history is that just that that it's boring and it's not fun and yeah or that it's that it's in textbooks and it's not it's all around us it's in everything that we do and it's fun i want to build off what liz was just saying there um that a lot of his uh public history anyway uh, a lot of it's based in activism um a lot of history in general really is based in activism uh there are a lot of uh historians who who would argue that that history is like an activist based profession legitimately uh, people like E.P. Thompson or uh, Natalie Zeman Davis, famous historians who, who totally see that as part of their mandate in that. Yeah. So like as historians, we're, we're essentially we try to uh, like take the past that everyone knows about and sort of blow it up a little, um, especially because the past, as we understand it, especially as the public understands it, the past is, yeah, as Liz was saying, is, is, is dominated by narratives of white, male, heterosexual, cis men. Uh, and so... Uh, yeah, a huge part of any historian's job, but especially public historians, uh, is to mm -hmm. to really sort of blow that up, <laughs> bust the myths, all that sort of stuff, present different perspectives. Is there anything else that public history is like? I mean, it is institutions like museums and archives and education centers. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's living history too. Mm -hmm. I would say. You know, I'm sure any listener can like probably think of some sort of experience they've had where they went somewhere and, you know, the tour guide was dressed up in a costume or you were kind of transported. I think my first like experience with that was the, you know how like all of us history kids grow up with like the obsession of one morbid historical event. <laughs> we're getting I, there. Don't worry. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a Titanic kid. I'll yes. Yeah. With the Titanic. Titanic kid sure. supremacy. And when I went to the Titanic exhibit at the Toronto Science Center, 
oh i was blown away oh my god yeah. smelling those perfume bottles that had been under the ocean for that yeah. long and like touching the iceberg and oh it was so cool yeah. to have that experience so i'm sure all of us at one point or another in our lives like have that experience of like whoa this is so cool and then you get obsessed with it and uh, i remember having this little locket necklace that they sold at the gift shop that had a little piece of coal from the titanic in it yeah. Who knows if it was real That's Titanic coal? Yeah, but it was. That's cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great segue, though. Like, let's talk about our weird history obsessions as like kids, because oh, I feel God. like a lot of history kids get this. Oh yeah. Liz and I are Titanic kids. Are either of you Titanic kids? No, I'm not a Titanic kid, but I was really big into ancient Egypt. Yep, yep, like, we get those ancient And I Egypt's. didn't like, yeah, I think that's like an easy one to fall into because you got those beautiful books at your library with like all the pictures of the artifacts and like the redrawings of the, the ancient times, you know? And like <laughs> I wasn't big into reading it. I was more like looking at the pictures and imagining the mystery and and the adventure that you'd go on. I also loved Indiana Jones. So like this is all playing into each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that art on, history. Oh, yeah, and art history. Like, later on now, I know more about what happened with the discoveries in Egypt and the colonialism and all that fun stuff, uh, which is not fun. It's terrible. <laughs> but as a kid, you're seeing those glossy pages and those treasure and the, and the mystery. And that, that was the first start of my obsession with history and looking into the past. Um, I, I uh, oh, God, it sounds so sacrilegious. I wasn't that in- interested in history when I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care that much. I was like, I was legit one of those like really stereotypical basic children <laughs> who like just like superheroes and running around and watching TV and all that sort of shit. Um, but uh, to and to take this even further, and I feel so bad now because it's so different than what the history I'm currently into. But my main my main exposure to history when I was a little kid uh, <laughs> was a show on Spike TV called Deadliest Warrior. To find out, our world-class fighters are testing history's most lethal weapons. Go. Using 21st century science, we'll see what happens when yeah. two oh, oh my God. Yeah. Anybody know that show? And like, and like, and they'd have different, like, they'd have like one part of the episode be about like the weapons on both sides. And then like another part about the battle strategies and all that, like all this different sort of stuff. And they'd like test the weaponry. They'd like get the weapons and, and they'd test it out and everything. Um, and knowing what I know now about public history, there's actually, there's quite a bit of public history wrapped up in that show. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want to get too nerdy here, and, but there's something called um, experimental archaeology, which is um, figuring out how uh, archaeological objects work by, like, making them and using them. And, like, like, literally just trying to use this thing to figure out where the sort of, like, different parts go and how it would work. So, like, if you're trying to figure this old antique gun or something, literally trying to make it fire um and and trying to figure out how it works that way and and that's a lot of what the show did they they, they would actually they would take like weapons they would remake and, and model weapons from the time and and use them and try to figure out how effective they were um and it's so morose and it's like i swear that whole channel is just like s- surrounded by toxic masculinity and just this horror uh, it's it's atrocious <laughs> it's, it's really it's really uh, like gr- grating to watch uh but uh but the show was so interesting as a kid 
just like like i think the first episode was like a spartan versus a ninja and i was like fuck yes ninjas yeah <laughs> and won? like i had opinions i had opinions i was like the spartan's gonna win because it has more armor but i want the ninja to win because they're fucking cooler <laughs> that was my whole thing wait hold up but the spartan couldn't have won so oh, i'm gonna go on a track because no, they the would have fought in a phalanx yeah okay they don't fight solo no, yeah, that, that, well, that this, is, this is true, but uh, yeah. but uh, they still Sorry. won. Spartans still won. I'm offended. That but it was so true. cool, and and they would end the episode. Yeah. I swear to God. Also, there are so many. Pro- I could do a whole episode on this show, and we probably will. I would probably will. This podcast, yeah. but uh, but like the the episode had like this announcer who like had like this sort of voice, and it's like. Oh my, oh, it's wow. so fantastic. And then and then they end the episode with, like, they have this computer simulation or something. And, and like, the computer simulates a thousand scenarios or something to figure That's out so how many better. more times uh, whichever one wins or whatever, right? So in, in, in like, a, in a simulated battle. And then once they figure out the winner, they choose one of the options where that person won with, like, a, like, a, a, like an interesting scenario or whatever. And then they film it. So, like, the last part of the episode is you watch... It was the Spartan fight the ninja and, and see the Spartan win. Yeah. 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 It, it was like, it was like if a whole bunch of toxic men got a hold of uh, Mythbusters. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, think about it in school in Canada. Oh, what history started on the curriculum. Mm-mm. <laughs> the happy taunts. You spend like three years learning oh. about the happy taunts. And yeah. then you have happy taunt day and you eat the happy taunt brand pea soup. Yeah. <laughs> not right oh my god this is Come so on. historical yeah it's so much soup. farming history yeah. yeah so actually i wonder uh if this would be a good thing to talk about uh for our first episode as well it's just sort of our general history interests uh particularly like yeah. like the histories we want to talk about in a public history way kind of interest <laughs> um uh, i know personally i'm really into irish history because i just find it fascinating but i i have no real desire to go to an irish history museum and work there like <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, my history interests for public history uh, in general focus on sort of the histories of, of oppressed groups and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, my particular focus, especially right now, is on um, Black Canadian history and I mean Black North American history. There's, there's a, a lot of argument to be made that there isn't a huge distinction in terms of nationality and experience. There's a lot of crossover, um, both physically and theoretically. Um, so black North American history is, is, is a, a big passion of mine and something that I really like talking about and educating people about. Um, I'm also interested in, in gender history, queer history, history, sexuality, that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's where a, a lot of my background comes from, but yeah. Yeah. Um, um, very much interested in indigenous history and specifically. So one thing that you, you'll probably learn throughout this podcast is that I am, I'm very outdoorsy. I am a granola girl through and through i've got my hydro flask beside me and my crocs and everything else um but i work at a national park and i've worked with parks canada for about eight years and so my passion for public history is public history in national parks specifically focusing on um indigenous history and also indigenous cultures and how indigenous perspectives of heritage conservation so history but also resource conservation and ecology can be introduced uh, into national parks particularly under this kind of ongoing project in Canada which we call truth and reconciliation which is acknowledging that you know what we have done in the past to indigenous people 
is bad and we're trying to make reparations. Um, but it's also important to not just say we're sorry, but do something about it. And that's what I would like to do eventually is help to influence policy in national parks to make that happen. That's a great answer. Robin, I feel like yours connects. Yeah, so. it does. Go next. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm interested in art history and Indigenous studies as well. And I love when those two interconnect. And I'm especially interested in spirituality, religion, culture, politics, because I find all of these things go hand in hand. Like there's no oh, yeah. way you can talk about one without oh, the other. Yeah. So I guess it's very big where I'm going with it. <laughs> and I, I, in general, I just love learning. For history, I'm just a sponge and I love fun facts. And my biggest thing when I'm working, especially in museums or historical sites, is just making information accessible, you know, just communicating with the public, figuring out what they care about and what's important to them and then bringing that to them as well, you know, like in learning from them too, you know, there's this great connection that you can get with people through history. Everyone in some way is interested in history. They might not know it yet, but there is something there. And I just love making those connections and bringing the people to the past. That's awesome. Yeah. Also, yeah. as an aside, uh, when I first met Rob um, <laughs> over the summer, uh, you know, talking to her, and, and I learned that she was like, you worked, you worked at like a science museum or something. I did, yeah. I found that fascinating because oh. like, I'm one of those kinds of people who can never take a science class because I'll always get really confused. But anytime anyone like tells me science in like a digestible way, I am like in like hundred oh percent. And so I was, I was so fascinated that, that you live worked in a space where that was the thing where the, that you knew the science and that you'd tell people the science. And I know and I, I just literally, we could probably do an episode on this, you know, learning on the job. Cause yeah. I did that interview oh. and I was like, I know nothing about science, but I'm ready to learn. And uh, that was my favorite thing. I was teaching kids, especially like three to four year olds about dinosaurs. And if oh. they walked out of that hour session, knowing the difference between a carnivore and a herbivore, I'm like, I did my job. Today's a good day. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about learning on the job. I worked at a plastic surgery clinic for years. So like talk about learning on the job. I had no <laughs> science background going into that. And then I had to like tell people how abdominal plasties work. And I was like, yeah, so they cut into you and then... um. I don't really know. So that segues perfectly into <laughs> Katie. With- <laughs> my interest is the history of plastic surgery. No, I'm kidding. That would be something. Um, my So I, like Robin, am an art historian, but I'm also a historian. So I did like the history double whammy in my undergrad, and I took only history courses for three straight years. I had to take some breath courses in the first year. That's why. Um <laughs> And so my interests are like totally different. My historical interests aligns with everybody else here. It's histories of violence, histories of genocide. In particular, I'm really interested in Latin American history, um, but I'm really hoping we can do an episode talking about truth and reconciliation because the Canadian truth and reconciliation is not the first, nor is it the Mm. last. And I think it's really important to give the context of being like, what have other countries done? Um, Because there's TRCs, Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, like around Latin America. Almost all of them have them. There was a lot of crime. And I'm also interested in like European genocides, particularly like, you know, anyone interested in histories of violence, the Holocaust, um, but also the USSR and the Stalinist terror that happened in the 1930s, which is pretty interesting. And the gulag that comes out of that, obviously. And then my art historical interests, if we want to take a full 180 uh, are greco-roman sculpture in particular hellenistic bronze 
which is a fun thing because we have about 10 of them <laughs> and no more. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do a whole, uh, trust me, yeah. I can talk for hours about sculpture. So we'll do a whole episode and I'll tell you all about how every sculpture that you've ever seen is just a copy of a sculpture that you will never see. I really want a sculptures crash course. That'd be really good. We were yeah. talking about that a crash course on how to look at art and yes. sculptures. And even I am facts. so excited. Yes. Robin and I are going to teach you guys, you guys being Liz and Patrick, but also <laughs> the listeners, like oh, how yeah. to look at art. Because I feel like people just don't know how to engage with art. It's and so, so they walk around galleries being like, hmm, okay, next. I do that sometimes too. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, of course, you know, yeah when you have an idea of what to look for it makes it so much easier or at least it yeah. makes a way that you can connect with it and go like okay this is what I get from it which is totally mm-hmm. fine sure yeah yeah you don't need to know everything about every piece like that's mm-hmm. literally impossible straight up yeah I know I always feel like I look at a painting or art or whatever else and I'm like you always think that like because this is kind of how like movies and tv do it of inspiration or feeling it's supposed to just come to you from just from passively <laughs> looking at it. Oh, of course. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is bringing back a repressed memory from my childhood. <laughs> and, oh, uh, every time I look at a piece of art, I'm like, okay, like, oh, where's it? When's it going to come? Like, come on, just like, just a little bit of inspiration. And nope, no, uh, because I don't know what I'm looking at. So I would love a crash course. I went to, well, I went to the art gallery in Ottawa about a month before COVID hit uh, with my partner her and I were walking around an exhibit and I kept looking at every painting. She was, you know, she was looking at them and she was like, like nodding her head and just like, like obviously invested somehow. And I kept like looking over her and being like, I don't get it. Like, what is it? Like, what is it trying to say? And I was, it was, it was almost like I was trying to find the thesis statement of the painting, (laughs) which is not what you're supposed to do, (laughs) but I couldn't get out of that framework. And she was just like, just look at it, man. (laughs) You just, you just look and see how it makes you feel. And I was like, makes me feel frustrated because I don't know what it's about. And it stormed out yeah so i would love some some uh hot tips on how to uh yeah. look at art when we're allowed to go oh to art God. galleries again but you know what this actually segues into a fun question that i stole from tim tim <gasps> if you're listening to this number one we miss you He's not gone. We just don't have him as a prof anymore. Um, Oh, my God. Absolutely tragic. We actually would not be here. He made us buy these mics. He did. He taught us how to make podcasts. He never said to me was buy a mic. And I was like, okay. Yeah. 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 You know what he said? Buy a mic because you're going to use it in your public history career. Uh, And we were all like, okay, we'll use it for the class, sir. And then here we are. Class (laughs) is over and we're using them for something else. So. Exactly. Um, but stealing from Tim, talking about like having that moment where you connect with a piece or not having it. Is there a piece of art or just like a historical object that you can think of that you're like, oh, when I held it in my hands, when I saw it for the first time, it was like not a religious experience, but close Powerful. to it. Powerful. Mm-hmm. So mine's a building, not a thing. But cool. as I mentioned, I love Greco-Roman sculpture, but to get to Greco-Roman sculpture, you actually need to do all Greco-Roman art. And I was in Rome two and a half years ago, as you might know, because my intro post is flexing <laughs> with me at the Colosseum. <laughs> she just looks like a beauty in the background. I'm just in the way. She's just so pretty. Um, <laughs> but it's not the Colosseum, actually. It's another building in Rome called the Pantheon. And it's actually now a church. But it was at one point in time a dedication to a god. Was it Jupiter? 
probably, but we don't actually know. And it is the largest freestanding concrete dome in the world for a thousand years. It no longer is. But it's like this beautiful building and it's got this amazing dome. And it's like they built it and they had never built a dome like this before. And it's all full of amazing Greek sculpture and it got gold flooring. And you're like, what is happening? It's a really nice building and it's free to enter. So I would highly recommend if you're ever in Rome when this pandemic's over. Yeah, when in Rome, go to the Pantheon. It's beautiful. It was built by an emperor named Hadrian. And most people think that Hadrian actually designed it as well as like commissioned it. Which is That's cool. cool. Who else got one? Yeah. Uh, okay. This one's a fun one. It's totally different. <laughs> uh, when I was working at the Nature Museum, I was at the staff lunchroom, I guess. And I was just working away. And then I turned around and I saw there's a skull on the table. What the heck's that? And my boss was like, oh, yeah, that's just a saber-toothed cat. I'm like, What? And I got, I got up and I went and looked at it. It was a real saber-toothed cat skull. I could hold wow. it. I could look at it. It was the size of my hand oh my and forearm God. together, you know? Wow. Incredible. And it was just like a moment where I was like, you know, because you know that the Ice Age was real. You know that there were creatures beforehand and that evolution happened. Sorry, but it did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking at it and holding it, I was like, history is in my hands right now. This is crazy. That's sick. That's so cool. That's so awesome. You got to like wow. touch it. That's so oh, cool. Do we all love Ice Age? Yes, of course. Because if you if you don't, you're not allowed to be on this podcast. <laughs> We're removing you from the Zoom call. <laughs> Any of our guests? If we ever have guests on this podcast, we have to make sure they've First seen question. Ice Age. Yeah, <laughs> Ice Age. Yeah, and then we grill them about <laughs> so, it. Oh yeah, like make your favorite quote right now. Yeah, go favorite character. Go. Oh my god, favorite character is Manny. I mean, I love Manny. Yeah, so of course. Much. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm Sid all the way. But I'm Sid. Yeah. Oh, Sid. No, Manny's <laughs> all right uh patrick have you have you thought of one yeah um this is interesting i I feel like my answer is so superficial i don't remember a time when it was like really like something really i don't know like niche or neat but uh i saw the rosetta stone one time and that was that was pretty cool and it was obviously behind glass it wasn't like it wasn't like robin and and the saber tooth um and and it, it could have been fake for all i know it could have had a fake one up i don't give a shit um it was still it was it was neat i think the rosetta stone was one of the first things that like i learned about in grade 11 world history uh, world history class um that really stuck with me and it's like something and i mean it's funny because a, lo- a lot of people would be like oh it's cool because it's old and it's ancient and whatever but my my whole thing was like it, it was a tool that that allowed us to sort of like firstly understand that cultures interacted with each other various you know groups with different languages interacted with each other and that we were able to to sort of understand language because of the stone um i thought that was really really cool in grade 11 and so being able to sort of like many years later into my history life uh, be able to actually see the Rosetta Stone in person. That was, that was just kind of a really cool moment. And it was also weird that like no one else was around it. No, so, uh, the other thing that I also saw in England that I really loved. Uh, I'm an Anglican, Anglican Christian, and uh, Robin, I do believe in evolution. Anyone who doesn't is a fool. Uh, surprise! You can be religious and have a brain. Uh, in any case, uh, also when I was in England, I got to, and this is really cool. And this 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 is more spiritual than historical, I guess, but uh, it has history to it. But I got to go to um, Westminster Abbey, which is like like the Anglican Church, <laughs> one of like I would argue three Anglican churches in the world that an Anglican would want to go to. It would be Westminster Abbey, St Paul's Cathedral, and uh, the the church in um, Canterbury. Um, and Canterbury is the other one. 
Um, in any case, uh, so I went to I went to the, the Westminster Abbey, but I didn't just go there to visit. I actually went there on a on Sunday morning for a morning prayer service. The 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 school trip that I was on lined up that we were in London over the weekend, and so I actually t- I took the time and I went to church in Westminster Abbey. And I tell you, as as a good Christian boy who uh, who got to like worship my god in in the church that that is like the church of 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 my denomination it was i cried i mean i literally like it was it was phenomenal so i know that that isn't exactly what we were going for in 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 the answer to that's sick that's still beautiful Um, it was awesome and it was it was cool it was old it had it had cool old architecture and it was awesome Mm -hmm. um and the choir was there i got to just like hear the westminster choir live it was it was an insane experience Liz, how are you going to follow that up? Oh my Boom. God. <laughs> no pressure. First of all, I have never, tr- like, uh, I've been around Canada and I've been to New York City once. Mm. So I, I feel like I have, I have so much traveling to do, so many places that I want to see. Westminster Abbey is 100% one of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There, there are two things that stand out for me. One of them is like, the first one is probably the most awestruck I've ever been at an object and I kind of I kind of don't like that it was this object but mm. the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa I went there on in here in Ontario or maybe in Canada in general but in Ontario when you're in grade seven or eight the tradition is you go Ottawa to field Ottawa. trip Ottawa yeah. field trip it's the first boys and girls overnight like you're in your separate hotel rooms like but it's like it's a big deal that's when everyone starts to like you know everyone's flirting it's great times and we did go to so many museums which made me so happy Mm. but the Canadian War Museum was all around amazing but the one thing that stood out to me that you can still see there is one of the parade cars from Nazi Germany that Hitler actually used it's a Mercedes, of course, black Mercedes has a handle right on top of the windshield where he would be able to stand and hold the handle. So if you do look at some of the pictures from the parades, you can see that. And I just could not get over that Hitler had stood there. Mm. Like it just, and what's really cool about this car too is it's completely shot up with bullet holes everywhere. So it was one of the cars that when the the British and the allies finally got into Berlin, they seized it and they wanted to see if it was actually bulletproof. Cause one of the things that they, that the cars were supposed to be is of course that they were totally bulletproof. So if anyone did try to assassinate Hitler, it wasn't going to happen. So they shot it up. It is mostly bulletproof. Like the glass made it and the car seemed fine, but yeah, I just, I, there is no other object that I've seen with just that much power as a kid, like as a 12 year old, just being like yeah. this person that is larger than life and the horrible, horrible things that you could never fathom. It's just so interesting. Yeah. I have, I've had a few other experiences like in archives too, where I'm like, I'm holding a piece of paper that's really old. That was, yeah. um, I work at the Banting Museum here in London. So Dr. Frederick Banting, who discovered insulin, I've held woo. a lot of his papers. Yeah, woo. And seen a lot of his personal family stuff, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's that, it's that car that stands out to me. And it's kind of crazy too, because later on I discovered that, so my family is German. Uh, my great great grandmother who I'm named after came over from Germany she was 16 she married another German man so his Joseph my great great grandfather um, his first cousin was Heinrich Himmler 
who was of course the head of the SS. Oh my god. Germany. Yes. <laughs> so it's even crazier to have been looking at that car and then to later realize that like I have this kind of crazy ancestry. Apparently Himmler was a chicken farmer before he became a Nazi. Don't come mm-hmm. at me for that. Um, obviously, it's just very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. That's part of the reason why around. I was just kind of like, I'm still like shocked by this car. It's just like, yeah. it's just the one thing that comes to mind. It's just so crazy how how the just an, a car, an object can like elicit so much. Anyway, there you go. That's cool. mm. that, I should have started with that as my cool fact. But, <laughs> <That's really cool. laughs> But it is one of the cooler facts about me, and I I don't like that fact, but it's interesting. But then it's interesting, too, that that association and just the whole, you know, there was a massive German community in Canada right before the war that all of a sudden it was really, really bad to be German. And so my grandma grew up speaking German when she was really little, but she lost it because immediately during the war, they were like, nope, nope, you can't speak German anymore. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. Wow. Wow. I might be related to Queen Victoria. Oh, that's cool. Flex. (laughs) But you also, like, the Habsburgs were, like, related to everyone. This is what okay. I'm saying. Like, they're, everyone's related. Like, it, it used, it, it's also, it's one of those, like, stories. I don't know if it's actually oh. true. One thing I want to investigate, my dad's cousin was telling him as a kid, this might be a lie or a joke, but apparently I'm related to Blackbeard. Oh. All right, okay. Katie, you're up. Who are you related um, to? Yes. <laughs> no one. No, no, no. You got to pull my cousin thing, you know, you like she like said my this. family is from a small town outside of edinburgh like it's like it's called bigger yeah you got that it's called bigger and there is like maybe a hundred people who live in this town that's where my family's from yeah what a small world yeah that's wild yeah i feel like the first episodes yeah it was really just like we kind of want to get ourselves out there talk about each other talk about the program talk about what public history is kind of like i feel like these are all sort of tidbits of of different episodes that we could do so if any of the stuff we've talked about so far is interesting please let us know yeah Yeah. leave a comment tell us what you want to hear yeah all right so thanks so much for listening to this first episode of digital dust be sure to check us out on instagram again it's at the digital dust podcast um you'll also be able to find all the information that we've already talked about in the show notes below if you liked what you heard subscribe come back for more in the next episode we're going to be talking a little bit more about ourselves well see you on the flippity flop yeah see you guys (laughs) good goodbye (laughs) see it on the flippity flop flippity flop digital Digital Dust is a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have noticed. Shit! No! Wait! Wait, she is going to put this line at the end of the podcast. I have no idea if she did. Digital Dust is recorded on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Lenapewak, and Attawandaran peoples on lands connected with the London Township and Somber Treaties of 1796 and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum. This land continues to be home to diverse Indigenous peoples, First Nations peoples, Métis people, and Inuit people, whom we recognize as the contemporary stewards of the land and waters we are on today. 
Digital Dust is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Edwards, Katie Gaskin, Patrick Kingen, and Robin Marshall. Sound design by Elizabeth Edwards. Audio transcription by Katie Gaskin. Our theme music is Retro Chill Up by Mattias Miller.